Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Bulletin. And the Bulletin this morning is uh, with Alex Chapman. Chappie, good morning to you. Uh, the review is out from the independent uh, panel. I guess you've uh, had a cursory glance at it anyway. Uh, so, what now? I mean, it's, these are recommendations or ideas as opposed to uh, having to have these things put in place. Uh, what will happen from this point, you think? Yeah, I think reading all 134 pages is a bit more than a cursory glance, and I was the victim of that yesterday. So um, I'll tell you what, though, and it doesn't often happen with rugby, which tends to be a bit stale in its language. God, there was some strong language in that yesterday, and I was absolutely here for it. And, I mean, the way rugby is run in 2023 doesn't mean that it's the way that it should be run in 2023. And I think the use of not-for-purpose in particular in that review proved that. And, and we need to see... Change. Um, David Pilkington, who I know you had on earlier, uh, said to me yesterday that you know, we'll continue to see a decline in rugby if it continues this way. I had several sources be a bit stronger than that and say that essentially rugby will die if we continue the way we are. So, yeah, that may be a bit drastic, but if you look at some of the numbers, which are, are damning, and, and to be honest, many this shouldn't really surprise people. I think a lot of people seemed a bit surprised by some of the stuff that was said, but. I mean, media, organisations, administrators, and, and in particular fans have been screaming this for so long. So it is a serious disconnect with our national game. It's, it's a very broad topic in terms of what's next. So um, I'll try to isolate this a little bit in terms of what now straight away needs to happen. So Pilkington and his, his team have recommended those two changes, which I'm sure you've already discussed this morning. But now the onus is very much on the provincial union. So two-thirds of those 26 need to vote in favour of this change being implemented. That in itself is going to be a challenge because you know, some larger and more centralised programmes like an Auckland or a Wellington or a Christchurch compared to something like a, a Ngātipodo East Coast or a Buller or even a union in between the size of those examples like, like your team study, for example, with Hawke's Bay, they're not all going to align on everything that has been said in that review and the changes that want to be implemented going forward. That in itself is probably an issue that unions still wield so much power. Unfortunately, our NPC unions and the lower tiers just can't particularly financially justify having such a loud voice at the table anymore. Like Constitutionally, that just does not make sense for them to to wield that much power. Ironically, it's the same power they'll now have to diminish if they are to save the game. So the PUs hold a massive say in this going forward. Really interesting to see what they vote on going forward because from those that I've spoken to already, it's, it's very mixed feelings. Well, it seems, uh, you know, I, I haven't read uh, as much as uh, you and your extended cursory glance. <laughs> I congratulate you on that. Thank but you. It, it seems to me, Chappie, <laughs> it seems to me that um, the all-black uh, side of things is almost untouchable, um, and it's ticking over quite nicely. Uh, but if you want to play NPC rugby, um, you can forget the fact that maybe a union might sling a 60, 80 to $100,000 uh, for the sake of mm -hmm. hoping that uh, they might win the title. That looks like that might be um, out the window. 
Yeah, the, the traditional structure of like club into high school into well, first fifteen is part of high school into um, a union development into Super Rugby into an international isn't the the traditional tree anymore, is it? It's you know, high school you can go into in the case of if I use you know my region or the Blues as an example, you'd go high school and as in while you're maybe even still at high school, you're part of the Blues Academy and then you go into a wider Blues training group into the Blues B and so Blues A then, then you end up playing Blues then um, then into international rugby. It's not that that normal ecosystem like we've had previously. So I think everyone just needs to understand that that just looks a little bit different. But having said that, I'm, I'm well aware, and a lot of your listeners won't be from you know, a big super rugby region. They'll be from, as said, uh, Nasipato East Coast, White Upper Bush, Buller, um, even, you know, yes, the Crusaders have a wider catchment zone, but South Canterbury are completely different to the way Canterbury are run um, and the systems that come through that as well. You, if, if, prime example, your producer, Louis, who is from, I think I can say where you're from, I can't remember, the way Louis came through the system with Canterbury Country is completely different to the way that someone that went to Christ College or Christchurch Boys High would have come through the system in terms of Canterbury. So I, I don't have the solution, and good on David Pilkington. I, I thought his review was very impressive because there's a lot of issues with rugby, and we now need to implement them. Yeah, I think you're spot on. and I mean, I know of two very, very uh, impressive young rugby players out of Napier Boys High who are still playing for Napier Boys High. One is headed to the Crusaders and one is being sought after by the Blues. Now, where does their development go? I mean, what about the club issue of, uh, will they ever play club rugby? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's the thing. I, That's the thing, right? Like, I, you, you only yeah. really play club rugby nowadays if you get a, a nasty injury and you're trying to get a bit of game in game time, or you are that out of form, or you've been completely dropped, that you know not even an EPC side wants to pick you up anymore. So, yeah, that traditional format doesn't work anymore. Okay, um, All Blacks France, uh, believe it or not, Chappie, we've uh, been looking forward to this for so long. It's only eight days away now, <laughs> and the French have uh, French have lost one of their star centres, uh, Jonathan Dante, as well. Uh, so that might help our cause just a little. Yeah, who ironically is anything but Dante, isn't he? Um, with, with his style of play, he's a real um, crucial figure in that French backline. Gives them real size, real go forward, and a good second receiver option that's going to run direct lines, maybe a little bit of angled running as well off a shoulder. Almost a little bit different style of play, but almost like how we saw a Nonu, for example, in that 2015 Rugby World Cup with the All Blacks. So uh, crucially for France, though, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the entire World Cup. It's just going to be that opening game against the All Blacks. And, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I was looking at the odds before. All Blacks $1.82, France $2, which I'm not sure I entirely agree with, to be honest. And I don't think we'll see the All Blacks play as poorly as we did last weekend. And... I'm sure it's been said all over your fine radio station this week that, you know, it could be the kick up the backside that the All Blacks need and, you know, they won't play that poorly again and it's all about how you play in the tournament. But, yeah, for France losing their first choice 10 for the entire World Cup, their, their first choice midfield, essentially, in terms of the 12-13 combination, it's a lot of pressure now on Anton Dupont. So, yeah, I'm, I, I honestly cannot wait for the opening game of this World Cup. As you say, we've been talking about it for so long. Let's just get this damn thing underway. 
Yep, let's do it. Um, let's get uh, New Zealand cricket underway under the tenure of a new CEO now. And Scott Wienick, of course, uh, played for first-class cricket for Wellington, but seriously successful businessman, uh, having been through Oxford University as well. So uh, interesting appointment. I'm not sure you saw that coming. What are you thinking now um, on uh, w- what his priority should be? Well, first of all, definitely didn't see it coming. Uh, I thought they might um, look elsewhere, but then Hans Nedden the other day, who I know you know very well, said that uh, they wanted Kiwi in an ideal world and they've got a Kiwi and they've got the right man and um, managed to chat with Scott the other day and I think uh, his relationship, his history with the Players Association at a time of an ever-changing cricketing landscape is going to be so crucial. We don't want to see the Black Caps in particular become what we've seen with the West Indies men's team. So the relationships with the players, the empathy for the players is going to be huge. And we've already started to see a little bit of a change of that with the way contracts are structured in terms of when players need to be available for New Zealand, when you're allowed to go and play overseas. Someone like a Lockie Ferguson, for example, is probably a good example um, of that. I like how determined Scott seems to get more test cricket because that is what you know New Zealand cricket fans want to see is more test matches. But he's also very realistic about the financial balance of that. He needs to continue to grow the women's game, I think, and build up, uh, in particular, that feeding system into the White Ferns so that that is a lot stronger. We've seen it with White Ferns' performances most recently that they are so reliant on three or four players that that next crop coming through isn't quite there yet. So... It's not going to be like he's going to come in and all of a sudden the women's program is going to be like what we've seen with Cricket Australia or the ECB because financially New Zealand cricket just can't do that. That also feeds into um, the community game being stronger again. Like rugby, like so many other sports, numbers are massively dwindling at the community game. I know some clubs here in Auckland have lost 300 plus juniors in the last 18 months or so and as much as the senior teams may try, Smithy, they can't make that money back over the bar. So when you're losing that many juniors, you need to find out where they're going and why they're not sticking with cricket as well. So huge challenge um, for Scott. Where David White was very, very good, and he has been criticised for, for the way he ran um, that organisation. I think overall David did a pretty good job as NZB boss, but his relationships with those big three of England, Australia, India... Um, was was crucial for the way New Zealand cricket was now perceived in the global stage. So getting into that little circle is going to be a, a big challenge for Scott as well. Quite a quiet departure, has it not been for David White after all this? Yeah, time? I thought that as well. That kind of just just faded out a little bit. Which, um, yeah, I, I almost actually expected David White to turn up to the press conference the other day, to be honest, and say farewell. But no, apparently he's already left, cleared out his desk, boxes are gone. See you later. Good luck, Tom. Yeah, yeah, uh, unbelievably so, and uh, interesting to see where uh, he goes from uh, this point on. We're still uh, a relatively young man with a lot of experience, and speaking of which, uh, the Black Caps themselves uh, got dealt to uh, yesterday, some quick-fire T20 games to look forward to over the next few days, uh, and then the one-day internationals. Um, are you reading anything into this T20 series? Oh, the series, maybe. Yesterday's performances, not so much. I mean, with the bat, and it often gets said, doesn't it, in T20s, that if you lose wickets at the top of the order in that first play, uh, first power play, you're just going to really struggle for momentum. And then the spinners come on, as we saw with uh, with England. They tie you down. You can't actually really roll through the rest of your innings, and you end up posting pretty past score. And then when you bowl them, 
pretty inconsistent lengths, like the Black Caps were yesterday, and then you're up against um, Harry Brook and, and Dublin Milan, um, who <laughs> Dublin Milan. I I saw something on um I think his name's Cameron Ponsonby, he's like an English freelance cricket writer, described Dublin Milan as the guy in club cricket who only really gets called up into the first team when there's a stag to run, but then once he gets called <laughs> up, he performs every time, and you just can't drop him. And he's just always there. He always scores runs. He's got a very underrated record. I think either, either Nasser or, or um, Michael Atherton were saying that in commentary yesterday, and he just continues to to score runs. And then Harry Brook, how they can leave him out of the World Cup squad, I, I have no yeah. idea. So good luck to the Black Caps bowlers, um, because those two in particular are just... Oh, it's so impressive, man. But I, th- I think for this Black Caps team, it's just going to be about getting game time, getting back into to the, the swing of things. Because, to be honest, they haven't really played much recently together. Um, then looking ahead to the ODIs more than anything, because, as is often the case, T20s are really only on, on tours at the moment for the financial purposes. So, mm. you know, it's quickly switch focus onto T20s, into the one days, and then into the World Cup is kind of how I see it. Okay, and... Uh just uh, from the outside, looking in from this far away, the fact that Kane Williamson is over there, is that a really good sign for you? Are you, you pretty positive that it's going to be okay? Uh, I have to be careful what I say, but I am hopeful. Let's put it that way. I, 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 I am hopeful. You're hopeful, okay. Um, and you have to be careful what you say. So <laughs> That's cool. You, you know, I, I see last night... I see. I see last night, privy to information, someone's teacher's pet yes. here. Um, like, I, I see last night that the Broncos got tipped up by the storm. Uh, I'm not quite sure they'll be too worried about that, even though it's still a very, very big crowd and, and the sides not picking their top players. Are uh, you worried about uh, if the Warriors got uh, dealt to this weekend by the Dolphins that would have any effect going forward? Nah, nah, not, not at all. You look at, look at all those players that they've decided to rest, and rightly so, and um, I love that Andrew Webster came out the other day saying, I don't know where everyone's getting freaked out by or with, with a rumour that Tohu Harris is going to be um, up for the, or potentially up for the first game of the playoffs. When, if you actually read the media release from the Warriors, it says Tohu Harris may miss the first game of the NRL playoffs. So that's where it came from, Webby. Um, I, I wouldn't read too much into last night's performance. Both teams rested a whole lot of players and Good luck to whoever does NRL tipping this weekend because there's so many tough games to, to pick with that many players out. A couple of teams fighting, or more than a couple, several teams fighting for playoff berths. And, and how do you measure you know, momentum, the rest, heading into a playoffs, for example? Uh, it's a real balancing act for for all teams. And I think this is the first time that Andrew Webster has actually kind of conceded that he is looking beyond this week for a man that the entire season has said, I haven't looked at the table. I'm just looking at this week's performances by arresting, I think it's seven players or seven players being yeah. out, including Luke Metcalf with that injury. Um, he is very much looking ahead to next week. And I, I can't wait for these NRL playoffs, particularly with the Warriors. Chappie, uh, thanks very much for your contribution this morning. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, have a terrific weekend, my friend. Uh, thanks again. Enjoy the sunshine, Smithy. Thank you.